This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? This is Amber Casali, and I'm in Seattle, Washington. Right on. Well, hey, I'm, I'm reaching out to you here. I've got a book in front of me, Hiking Washington's Fire Lookouts. Can you, uh, I guess, you know, I, I usually say when I'm um, interviewing an author, if you can kind of give an overview of the book, but, well, it's about fire lookouts, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it covers uh, 40, 44, uh, 44 lookouts at the Olympics and Cascades. And you hiked all of them? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> course well I, th- I think a lot of hikers uh, have probably seen quite a few of them and um, I know I, I of course always turn straight to the ones that I've been to or whatever and and man uh, it really kind of almost opens me up to the fact that there's so many more spread out through the whole state right absolutely um, they're all across the state and some that are really well known you know a close day trip um, from Seattle or or other major cities, and then there are ones that are just way out there, ones that you might not come across anyone the whole day. So, yeah, they really vary. Now, is this a um, a, a redone book, or is this is this the first uh, print from Mountaineer Books? First print. Wow, so you didn't have any anybody yeah. to go off of. You just did it on your own. That's right. Um, Mountaineer's Books did publish a book um, called Lookouts, uh, Fire Watchers of the Cascades and Olympics by Iris Spring and Byron Fish. Um, and so that has some great lookout history, but it's not a hiking guidebook. So, um, yeah, this was the first one that covered the trails and all the logistics. Right on. Well, how did you come up with which hikes were going to make it in here, which lookouts? And um, did you include all of the lookouts uh, that you knew of? So I wanted to um, include all the ones that, first of all, were, were still standing. There's some great hikes that go to sites of former lookouts, uh, but I really wanted hikers to, to reach an actual building when they got there. And then I decided to do basically the western half of Washington, um, like I said, Olympics uh, and Cascades, including the eastern slope. So that ended up being those 44, which is about half of the total number in the state, um, quite a few on the far, far east side. And they needed to be public, publicly accessible. So there are, there are a few lookouts that are technically on public land, um, BNR land, but they're actually surrounded by private property. So, um, so they're not, not accessible to the public. So that was, that was my criteria. And then also that uh, no technical skills would be required to reach them. Um, so there's actually a lookout on top of Mount Adams, <laughs> oh, wow. but, um, but clearly that's, that's not the, the type of hike that, or climb that the average, the average hiker is looking for. So, um, that one is included in the back and there's a list of all the, all the lookouts, um, but those ones aren't included, um, in the chapter by chapter section. Oh, cool. It's almost like you're setting yourself up for uh, volume two. <laughs> 
Exactly. If I maybe if I temporarily relocated to the east side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of driving uh, to get. I think a lot of people that uh, you know probably listen to this from outside of the state of Washington. They just kind of figure, oh yeah, everything's just right there. But man, uh, it's a haul to get over to some of those eastern Washington areas. Absolutely, and because um, because some of those areas are are very fire prone, uh, like the Metal Valley, um, there, there's a lot of great lookouts and really rich lookout history. So it is definitely a much farther drive from Seattle, but I think always always worth it and a lot there to discover. Hey, quick little break here. I'm not sure if you're tired of always having to just pick what they have on sale at the big box stores there. But uh, uh, well, let's talk about LuxHikingGear.com, L-U-X-E-Hiking-Gear.com. I mean, this is a company, you go to the website, he's planning on doing some uh, some shows and stuff. I believe he said he's going to be at PCT Days. Uh, anyway, uh, just you know, keep an eye out for Lux Hiking Gear out there. And But this is something that uh, it's not going to be found in your big box stores. Uh, there, there's one person, uh, one, one and two person tents. There's, um, you know, three and four person tents. We've talked about the stoves before. <laughs> you can add a stove if you're doing some uh, major camping, not, not hiking probably, but, uh, you know, go over there to luxe-hiking-gear.com. Check out all the options. Remember, this is one of the sponsors of the show. So, uh, just going over there and checking them out is all I'm asking. And you're probably going to see that these TP style tents are, are pretty cool, and they're not going to be found, like I say, at these uh, big box stores. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Yeah, so how long uh, research did you do on this hike uh, from concept to print, basically? About um, three and a half years from concept to print. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a bit of time. Yeah, it, it's, um, yeah, an interesting timeline with the print um, the print publication, you know, we're so used to, to digital, but um, just the getting the first draft and all the reviews and the photos. And as everything came together, it felt like, felt like a nice pace. Um, and that gave me about two and a half years to, to do the research. So yeah, worked out well. Yeah. And you have a couple that are um, sort of drive up ones, right? I mean, you got uh, is slate peak. That's, that's pretty much drivable. Right. And then also um, the very first one in the book is uh um, Moran State Park there, Mount Constitution, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. So I I considered it a hike basically if you could drive to it um, or if it had any amount of walking. So, um, for example, Slate Peak, um, you drive up this, you know, amazing, really high, high-altitude road, but then you get to a gate. And so because you have to walk that last, it's about a third of a mile. Um, it just ends up being a very short hike. Um, and then a lot of the lookouts, because a forest service road leads straight to the lookout, but they have a gate, you don't necessarily know if that gate will be open or not. So if it's the off season or if um, the lookout staff, maybe it's a staff lookout, but they're gone for the weekend, they might close the gate. So um, sort of to prepare prepare a reader for the fact that there might be, you know, a two mile hike in from the gate, um, it sort of prepares for that. And then that Mount Constitution one, you can drive straight to the top, but um, but there's a state park right there. And so, you know, why not enjoy the state park? Just park a little lower down and then uh, turn it into a hike. Right on. Yeah, that's cool. It's good to, uh, you know, have to cover all of that because 
you know, there's going to be some people that that are just out, like like the one I talk about, like with Mount Constitution. I always tell people if you're going out to Orcas, just stop up there. It's it's fun. It's a short little walk, and yeah, so it's good to have those in there. Yeah, and I and my goal is to provide readers sort of all the options. So, you know, depending on your timeline, or um, you know, if you cannot hike that day for some reason, you could go straight to the top and at least use the guide for a little bit of history and background, um, but sort of providing that maximum um, options. And how many, uh, like I, I just kind of flipped to uh, page 88, uh, Miner's Ridge, and I've been to that one before. It's amazing. And um, I know that that one's still actively in use, and, and it kind of ma- makes me think, uh, like, you know, how many did you come across of these uh, 44, is it 44, um, that, uh, that are still in use? Yeah, there are... I believe six that are still actually staffed in the traditional way. Um, you know, a staff staff person is there for the whole season, July through into September. Um, and they actively look for fires that they will report. Um, and so not that many. So it's, it's pretty special to be able to go to one, um, that's still staffed. And if you ever have a chance to talk, talk to the staff while you're there, they're just, um, a wealth of knowledge. And, um, I had the chance to meet the, the staff, people at at Miner's Ridge a couple summers ago and um, at least at that time it was a husband and wife team and they had worked for the park service and they were retired and then now they spend their summers staffing Miner's Ridge so that was really neat Um, and then in addition to the ones that are still staffed regularly like that um, there's quite a few lookouts that take volunteer staff just for like a weekend at a time so if you're interested you could um, almost be more of a more of a backcountry presence, interpretive um, interpretive volunteer who could stay in the lookout, uh, greet visitors, sort of keep an eye on, um, you know, making sure that folks aren't leaving garbage or just maintaining leave no trace principles, and still have that sort of active um, lookout presence, but without being an actual uh, lookout staff. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking here um, at uh, one of the more difficult ones I would assume to get to because uh, another one I've been to is Three Fingers. And I'm looking at, um, you know, some of your pictures that you used. And it really makes me wonder kind of more about uh, the pictures. I always like to kind of dive into that. And are these your pictures um, throughout the book? Yeah, I took all the photographs. Nice. Well, yeah, because I really like that Three Fingers one. It's a beautiful shot. Um and it's pictures like these, I would imagine that uh, picking them out and stuff for the publisher was important because these are also going to draw people to those hikes, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I had, had a lot of fun with the photos, and it, it was hard to, to narrow them down. I tried to, um, I tried to pick three um, for the publisher per chapter, and then even from there, they had to be narrowed down and trying to get you know a nice a nice variety of view shots and showing what the lookout looks like and some, some detail images. So yeah, it was definitely a process. I sort of painstakingly went through the photos and this one or this one, this one or this one. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, nice. I'm glad you mentioned that, um, that three fingers because that one, like you said, it really is um, a, a more difficult one to get to. And I'd, I'd say unique um, in the book in terms of takes a little bit more, um, work just to get to the, the trailhead because the Forest Service Road is closed to cars for nine miles before the trailhead. Um, so you actually have to park 
park well before the trailhead and we ended up um, biking in just to to save the time from from hiking on the road and then it's a it's a quite a solid hike in and mm-hmm. then there's a um a permanent snowfield toward the end a little bit of scrambling and then um you probably see the pictures in the book there's three wooden ladders that are bolted into the rock into very vertical rock um to get to the last the last little bit of the of the hike before you reach the lookout so it's that one's definitely a just a stunning and precariously beautiful uh one to get to <laughs> yeah it, it's amazing up there and uh i would say for some history on that uh on that that hike and in, in the the lookout up there uh, I would encourage listeners to go back to way back to episode 48. And I interviewed the author of the, uh, the book that was uh, written on three fingers mountain, uh, by Malcolm Bates. So that was a fun episode. I just kind of want to throw that in there. Um, and then, uh, so can you talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what were some of your favorite ones? I mean, I, I know that's always kind of a weird question in, in the hiking world. Cause it's like, well, I just like to hike, but was there anything that, that surprised you when you got there or just something that, that stood out? Yeah, um, I really enjoyed going to Leecher Lookout. That's over in the Metau Valley, and that that's one of the ones that's it's a fairly short hike in. Um, if the if the gate is open, you might be able to drive all the way. But that one is still staffed by a man named Lightning Bill, who has been a lookout staff in Washington for for decades, and that was really neat to to just get to talk to him and. Um, and the view from there is, is beautiful um, in the Metau and that the, being on the east side. And then there's also a, a ladder that goes to uh, what's called a crow's nest. And the crow's nest is a very early um, lookout uh, method where before we built structures, someone would camp at a mountaintop and then um, climb up a tree to a wooden just sitting platform high in a tree and they'd watch from there. So this was a very rudimentary, you know, pre-structure um, uh, tactic that, that they did. And so there's a crow's nest that's, that's up around a hundred years old. And wow. the ladder that leads up to it is like about to fall apart and it's just covered in moss and, it's just such a throwback to another era um, that's really special to see. And that's just right there on the summit, um, you know, maybe a quarter mile or so from the, or sorry, not a quarter mile, even less, um, a few hundred yards from, uh, from the standing lookout tower. So that's, that's pretty special. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And uh, one of the lookouts that's been on my list, um, and I tell you, there's a few more now <laughs> that have added to the list since I've read through your book, but uh, has been Desolation Peak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was really cool that you used a, a Jack Kerouac uh, quote here, too. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that uh, that hike and, and why you used his quote? Yeah. Well, I think that one is really well-known within Washington, I feel like, both for um, both for in terms of lookouts and literary history. Jack Kerouac is, is so well-known, and... He, he was a lookout staff at Desolation Peak in, I believe, 1956, and it was the basis for his book, Desolation Angels, and he wrote about it at the end of Dharma Bums. And so I just, you know, wanted to, to hearken to that, that literary history. And that one, is, that one is, really, is really neat because it is so remote. 
it's quite it's quite a journey to get back there. It's in the North Cascades, just a stone's throw from um, from the Canadian border, and it's right off of Ross Lake in the North Cascades National Park. And so, from the road, from the closest from the closest road that you can reach on Highway 20, it's 43 miles round trip. That's quite a substantial um, backpacking weekend if you want to get up there. But you also have the option of covering some of that distance over Ross Lake if you want to travel by water. Um, if you can take a boat to the um, lakeside trailhead, it's only about um, a five-mile hike from there. But um, that you know presents another layer of logistics with the boat. You can um, hire a water taxi um, on Ross Lake, which I believe is $125 um, each way. So, and that's that's total cost. Um, so if you have more people, you could split that, but it definitely, you know, creates an added layer for, for, for a weekend trip in cost, or you could, you could canoe or kayak that, but that, um, adds some time in that journey. I believe it's 14 miles or so, um, on the lake. So, so, you know, so definitely, definitely a journey to get back there, but so well worth it. Um, you get up and it's just a really expansive, um, beautiful North Cascades view. Right on, yeah, that's definitely uh, definitely on my list. Hey, let's talk colors, and I'm talking Waymark Gear Company. That's waymarkgearco.com. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of going through a little bit, like if you wanted to pick something off the website, go over there and check this out while we're talking or, or a little bit later. You know, check these uh, backpacks out and see all the different options that you can do. Um, like here I clicked in on the website. I've got the through uh, large XL. Uh, 42 liter no hip belt starting from 195 bucks and here's all the colors you can choose for the actual pack itself you got teal purple blue yellow white navy blue orange slate gray <laughs> that sounds cool red anyway those are just the pack and then you're going to go through once you're done and you can pick all kinds of other colors for the different pockets and little areas um, throughout the pack you can also pick the um, strap sizes and I mean, it, it, you know, there's just so many things that you can pick from on this pack that it's going to be your pack. And there's no question that my daughter's is her pack. I mean, she picked every, uh, every, go to, go to my, uh, in fact, I'll put it on, on some of these show notes so you guys can see it right away and see how many pick, uh, different colors she picked. Go over to waymarkgearco.com. So I just want to uh, encourage people to go over there and where can the book be found? Uh, the book can be found, um, in Seattle, locally, in REI, local bookstores, um, Third Place, um, UW Bookstore, and then online directly through the publisher, that's Mountaineers Books, and also Amazon, IndieBound, or Barnes & Noble. Well, cool. And uh, you've got some uh, some talks coming up. Is that, uh, that's that's right. I, I, are you uh, are you nervous about those, doing some, like, live talks? <laughs> um, I'm excited about those. Uh I really enjoy, really enjoy speaking with the public. I have a slideshow that I present that um, takes takes people on a virtual hike and uh, builds in some of the some of the views with the fire lookout history. And so, uh, I'll be doing talks throughout May and June in the Seattle area as well as Olympia and Bellingham. And uh, I have an events page on my website, which is ambercasali.com, uh, that has all the dates on there. Well, cool. I'll put a link to that there, and um, just wanted to kind of highlight some of the areas. I'm gonna this episode is gonna be out uh, real shortly here, so I wanted to say um, 
Outdoor Research in Seattle, uh, Browsers Bookshop in Olympia, Third Place Books in Seattle, Village Books in Bellingham, REI Flagship in Seattle, and the University Bookstore in Seattle as well. So uh, check out those dates and, and times over there at her website uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, before I let you go, I really just kind of want to know, I always like to kind of dive in and know a little bit about the authors uh, away from the book. And uh, what uh, have you been hiking your whole life? And, and, and if so, uh, what got you involved in the outdoors? Yeah, let's see. Well, I, I grew up in the Northwest. And so I would say I've, I've loved the outdoors my whole life. Um, but I, I became an avid hiker actually in college. I did a, a, backpacking, a backpacking program uh, called the Sierra Institute. And it was an extension through UC Santa Cruz and had the opportunity to spend a whole quarter basically um, backpacking and living outside. And that was when I, I first began spending extended um, times outdoors. Um, we'd go on two week trips at a time. And that was what started to get me hooked. And then I did, I did a lot of traveling and living, living outside of the Northwest for a little while. And when I came back, um, I just sort of re-fell in love with, with the mountains here. Um, I took a basic climbing and mountaineering course through the Washington Alpine Club um, and just started, like I knew that there was a lot there, but it was one of those things that the more you learn, the more that you realize there is to discover and, you know, start doing longer trails or more climbing. And it was like this already big world just kept opening up more and more. And so, um, I just loved having having an excuse to continue exploring and and getting back into places that that I might not have have gone otherwise or even even thought to go. Yeah, well, and uh, so now that you've hiked to all the lookouts, uh, do you have any other goals in in your hiking career, whether it's Washington or not? Ooh, you know, I I have an interest in doing um, possibly doing some kind of through hike. At some point, um, I've I've backpacked some sections of the Pacific Crest Trail here in Washington, so maybe it's doing more of those sections. Um, but I am drawn to the idea of sort of longer longer time on the trail. Um, and apart from that, I think just continuing to uh, to explore and maybe even going further east. Um, like like we were saying earlier, you know, it, it can really be a long drive from Seattle, but I feel like there's a lot of um, really cool areas on on the on the far east side that I'd love to explore. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, some good stuff over there. Uh, what about uh, what about any uh, future books? Is this a, a one time book? Do you have any ideas for any other books? You don't have to give them away, but uh, is there any books in <laughs> your future? I will say I, I I do have some ideas percolating in the in the back of my mind. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the gears are turning. But I think for now, I'm just focusing on on this book and and enjoying um sharing sharing my passion for fire lookouts well right on well uh, amber i'm really uh, happy to have talked to you and, and and connected with you and i really encourage folks to check out your book hiking washington's fire lookouts i honestly think it's going to be a huge book uh to those that are are looking for something different and and something unique thank you so much all right that's the show thanks so much for tuning in don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, rudy at 
CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress. I come running when I hear that song. It could never be wrong. It could never be wrong. Where you want to run, baby, I'll run too. I would leave this world for a beautiful girl if I could just find.